That Don't Sound Right is a podcast about talking. Talking the way we did before the internet, when you could not prove anyone right or wrong. All the expertise was contained in the people involved with the conversation. I'm Peter. I'm Cecil. And I hope you enjoy our conversations. And as you listen, if you find yourself silently saying, that don't sound right, send us a comment. You're one of us. Don't uh, go into the woods without a compass. Okay, I'm Always glad you specified don't go into the woods. Compass. Welcome back to another episode of That Don't Sound Right, a podcast about talking. Happy New Year, everyone. This is our first episode of 2023. Hope you had a good first week to your new year. But we're your co-hosts. I'm Peter Billman. I'm Cecil Davis. And we're just trying to have a conversation without Googling it or fact-checking each other online. And I think you'll find out we're going to throw out some things that you might say that don't sound right. I know. I'm going to say that don't sound right because Cecil has the topic. Right. So um, tonight's topic's on survival. Survival techniques. Survival techniques, survival yeah. skills. Skills. So if you ever read a survival skill book? Oh, yeah. We've, there's um, several of those skill books rolling around in my house. Yeah. So uh, there's always, you know, little tips and pearls and techniques they have for you to survive in the wilderness on certain equipment. I mean, without certain equipment. Right. But these are also in different scenarios, right? Different scenarios, yeah. So what are some, some of the scenarios are, are we talking about here? Um, so like if you don't have matches and you need to build a fire, if you you know if your clothes have gotten wet and it's cold, um, if you're foraging for food, uh, if you don't have a compass, you know, there's always these techniques for, uh, for building things or starting fires or building shelters. And so, um, but some of this requires you to have things with you. Yes, and that's why I asked really specifically about the scenario. It's one yeah. thing to be caught out in the woods without a compass. Yes. How did you get into the woods without a compass? Yes. Why did you go to the woods without a compass? Now, now we were we were up on uh, Springer one time, and we met a mother and two daughters, and they had come in without a map or a compass, and they were trying to find a town called Suches. Well, they were just hiking along the trail. Is this the Appalachian Trail? They they were on an intersecting trail. Okay. And they were nowhere near where they thought they were. Were they backpacking? Or they, just stay uh, hiking? They were backpacking. They had backpacks on. Okay. All right. But I, we told them we we told them very clearly they were not headed toward where they thought they were headed toward. Okay. They were, they were determined. Ah, yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. So. I've, run into a, I've run into a group of backpackers also on... Mount Rogers, With easy, easy to get turned around up there. Yes. Even easier when there's a foot of snow on the ground. Oh, yeah. Even easier when some of these people have never been backpacking before. Yeah. Even easier when you've never seen snow before because they were from Florida. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they yeah. thought they were heading towards a particular shelter, and they weren't anywhere close. Yep. That's how you get messed up quick. I don't know if they had a map or a compass. Yep. I would assume that they did, but maybe they were just following the blazes, which were white right. in the snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard. To, yeah, Rogers, and some of those are on the ground too. They're on yeah. the rocks. The um, so you know th so these survival guides try to teach you what to do in these situations. No, number one, we should go ahead and do the words of wisdom. Don't uh, go into the woods without a compass. Okay, I'm always glad you specified. Don't go into the a woods. Compass. Yeah, maybe not always carry a compass in. You know, if you're walking down the street, but if you're in the woods, have a compass. Now you know that a compass doesn't work in a car. Really? 
But they put compasses in cars. Well, they do because they use the, the, the compasses that are designed to be in cars to work one cars. Because the metal? Yeah, because the metal cage that you're sitting in interferes with the compass that's to hold in your hand. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, so don't try to you know do any dead reckoning with a mm. compass inside a car when you're huh. driving around the city. The uh, yeah, if you're going to the woods, always carry. A compass. Always have a compass. I'm no. wondering how many compass. I wonder what the compass sales are these days. I don't know. I wonder how many people know how to use a compass. Are they flying off the shelves anymore? I don't know. I you have a compass. I have a compass. I probably have a compass probably or two. Several compasses. Yeah. Well, also everyone has a compass on their phone. Oh, uh, that's right. Right? Yeah. So if you're in the city and you need to find your way, you can always but not you, look at your um, map. Now, don't Google the map. Just bring up your compass and see if you can get through it. But don't do it in the car. It'll still mess up. Would you ever go into the woods with just a compass on your phone? No, 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 no. I wouldn't either. No, I wouldn't. Because I would always the, have an analog. Because of the battery situation. Right. And, and then the reception, too. Does it have to have the cell tower to use the compass? That I'm not sure of. Yeah, I think it does. If it does, then yeah, yeah. that's not going to help either. We should do an experiment. We should take our phones, um, turn it on airplane mode. Yeah. Theoretically, in fact, you could do it here in your backyard, turn it on airplane mode. See if the compass still works. And see if, yeah, see right. if, yeah. So but don't go into the woods without a compass. That's our words of wisdom. That's right. Because it's awkward to have to eat your friends. But that's, that's the, the that's the other that's the other that's part right. of it, right? So. Uh, one of the techniques I had learned as a kid was starting a fire with a shotgun. <laughs> so the scenario is, I guess, you're in the woods, you don't have matches, right? But you have a shotgun with you. Okay. So maybe maybe you've been hunting, right? You got lost for some reason. You didn't bring your compass with you, and you don't have matches with you or right. a lighter. So the way this God said to do. Uh, this book said to do was to take a shotgun shell, uh, cut the top of the shell off, empty out the shot, stuff a rag down into the shell, fire the shell into the air, or fire the rag into the air, then then get it and put it on your tinder and start a fire. Okay, that don't sound right. There's a lot of problems with There's this. a lot of problems with that. So I tried it. I tried to start a fire this way. <laughs> okay, so we need to go into the yeah. background of this experiment. So, a, how old were you? Uh, I was probably 13, 14. Okay. Yeah. That puts it in perspective for everyone, right? So uh, I want to try this technique. So first thing you did, you know, emptied out the shell, put the rag in, shot it to the air. So what do you think the first problem with doing that is? Shooting, finding the rag. Yes, I finding mean, the rag. I mean, it's going to be 50 feet up in the air. And right. by the time it lands, the fire is probably extinguished. Yes, correct. Did they specify what kind of rag? I mean, is it just a... A piece of your cotton T-shirt, yeah, or yeah, just something that's just supposed anything. to do. Yeah, that's supposed to do it. But you're right. Number one, you have to find where the rag lands, and two, it still has to be smoldering enough to uh, get back to your your kindling. Yeah, no. and now you've got to transfer it back there and still keep it smoldering. So either you've got to have your kindling with you and go to where the rag falls. Yeah. Lots so that's the first problem, right? Yeah. So so it didn't. It, it doesn't really ignite. Do you take the wadding out? The plastic wadding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the second um, second way was we uh, soaked the rag in gasoline. Now, I'm on to this. Yeah. But here's a problem with that. <laughs> if you're in a survival situation, you probably don't have gasoline yeah, around you, right? Exactly. You don't have anything. Yeah, if you have gasoline or um, or fuel with you, you probably had matches with you. You probably had a way to light it. Yeah. So that also didn't work. Okay. Same problems. You can't get the rag back to the kindling fast what, enough. What happened when you did that, though? It still didn't really ignite. 
Okay. Yeah. And how far up in the air did the rag go? The um, gasoline-soaked rag? I went, I mean, it goes far enough that it's hard to track. Okay. Yeah. So then the third thing we thought was maybe shooting it directly at the kindling. <laughs> the problem with that is obvious, hopefully, uh, is that the blo- muzzle blast just blows everything everywhere. So, All that work gathering the kindling, yeah, and you right. blew it to the next county. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's maybe somebody can use that survival technique. I was not successful with it. Now, I would have thought that the way to do it would be to take the gunpowder out. Yes. Okay. Right. Down, you know, sprinkle it all over your kindling, mm-hmm. and then find a sharp rock, and then pop the primer, hit the hit the primer out. Oh yeah. And let the primer shoot out, and then catch this gunpowder on fire that's on the ground. And since it's gunpowder and it's on the ground, it doesn't explode. It just yep. sizzles, yep. and it would sizzle and cook your kindling, and then you'd have the fire yeah. to start. I would think that's the way to do it. That would be a good idea. Did you try that? No. Okay. That's maybe, I'm not going to ask our listeners to try that. Yeah, that uh, one, because uh, then you're holding, you're having to pop that primer in your hand. I think there would be some, I mean, it's in the shell still. Yeah, you leave still, it in the shell. But still, you're, you're... I don't know. I don't know what that primer's like when it, when you pop the end of it. If yeah, it makes it matter. How big of a, of a pop it makes. Yeah, I don't either. But, so anyways, that, I did not learn how to start a fire with a shotgun. Uh, another method I've seen to use, and I don't know if you've seen this, that if you have a flashlight with an old incandescent bulb, you have a flashlight with an old incandescent bulb, right. you take apart your flashlight so right. the incandescent bulb is exposed. Uh-huh. So it's not covered by the lens or anything. Right. And then you carefully break the glass off. That's all that's left is the filament. Uh-huh. And you put that gently, carefully, into your wad of tinder. It's got to be very dry and yeah. light. And then you turn the flashlight on. Huh. And the incandescent bur- ball, bulb yeah. burns, it gets hot, yeah. oxidizes, and it's hot enough to start a fire. Have you tried that? I have not tried it, but I've seen it done. In a YouTube video? On Bear Grylls. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is that, all right, so now in the first scenario, how many shells are you willing to shoot or tear up before you stop? And in your right. scenario, are you willing to ruin your flashlight to start the fire? Yeah. Which is more important. Yeah, I think if you're desperate for a fire to boil yeah. water, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna try you're gonna, you're gonna try it. Yeah. You're gonna try it. Because you're probably coming to into your rope. Yeah. If yeah, if you're dismantling your flashlight, then you're right. And you know, you might you might try the shotgun trick a couple times. Yeah. But still, you can't really eat unless you cook the animal, and you can't cook the animal without a fire. So what yeah. good is it to have shotguns except for protection? Yeah. So now, um, so, I, so <laughs> I haven't tried the flashlight thing. I'll need to try that. Well, it's challenging these days because flashlights don't have incandescent bulbs anymore. They're either LED. LED. So what do you got? You yeah. got nothing. Got nothing. So now your flashlight's out. Still hadn't started the fire. Right. You've got a broken flashlight and a shotgun and no fire. So next uh, survival tip that I have learned, I saw over the years, was creating a compass with a with water, a leaf, and a needle. Yes, I remember this one. Yeah. So um, if I remember it right, you take the needle and you magnetize it against a piece of wool. Right. So now you've one. You have to have a needle. Mm-hmm. Which and, you probably have in your survival kit along yeah. with your matches, but that's right. beside the point. Right. Yeah. So your survival kit would have to not had matches, but did have to have a needle. Then you would rub it on some wool, so you'd have to be wearing something wool. 
And I'm not, I'm not really certain about the wool part, I yeah. guess, because... Oh, why does that work? Why does wool work over, say, acrylic or cotton? Yeah, because you can do that. You can magnetize iron by hitting it. You ever done that? Like by my, hitting it? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't done this. Yeah, you magnetize iron that way. I've done it with. I've done it before. How strong of an iron magnet does it become? Not very strong. Okay, all right. Yeah. But if you have a needle, you don't have to. It doesn't have yeah. to be very strong either. Anyway, so you rub it on. You rub. This, rub it on wool. Rub it on wool. Then you carefully float a leaf in a saucer of water, or a top, or whatever you have. Maybe a maybe a puddle of water. And then you carefully drop the needle on the leaf, mm-hmm. and supposedly that becomes now a magnet, and the the needle will turn to magnetic north. Okay, all right, yeah, I think that's how I remember it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You ever tried it? No, I, I, you know, I usually because you always have a compass. That's well, no, here's the thing: is I usually have a watch, and I know how to find north with a watch. Now, I never could figure this one out. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But it's got to be a watch with hands. It's got to <laughs> be an analog watch. No, it doesn't. If you have a digital watch. Uh, you just draw the time out on the face of the on on something. Just okay. draw the draw the draw the what, but you have to have the hands. Yes. So if you know what time it is, whether you have the hands or not, mm-hmm. you then you get something and you kind of sketch out, you know, with a rock or right. a stick. If, okay. You actually, I know this technique. I've never understood how to do it. So explain it. All right. So what you do is you. So let's just use your watch face as the mm-hmm. example. Okay. What you do is you get a stick mm-hmm. and you put a stick perpendicular to the face of the watch. Mm-hmm. And you get now. Yeah, the sun has to be shining. You can't do, really do this on a cloudy day because hmm. you got to have the sun. Okay. All right. You got to do this on a, a sunny day because you got to have the sun, and it casts a shadow onto your watch face. Okay. All right. And what you do is you line up that shadow with the hour hand. Yeah, you line up the shadow with the outer hand. Uh, the and since our sun is only works in the northern hemisphere, since our sun. Hmm is in the southern hemisphere, it's always in the south, it's casting a shadow towards north. Okay. Not due north, at noon. But if you imagine at due at noon, mm-hmm. that shadow is pointing directly north because okay. it's exactly equal. So if you put look on your watch, at noon, if you line up the shadow, now you're looking straight at north. Okay. Now what happens is the sun moves, it starts casting a shadow at a start in, at a different place. Mm-hmm. It starts, if you look on the clock, it starts casting the shadow at one o'clock. So if you were to line up your clock at one o'clock, mm-hmm. the hour hand at one o'clock, now tw- the number 12 is uh, now pointing at, at north. North. Okay. Now, from what I understand, that technically, if you really want to get a little bit closer because of the way the sun moves and where we are, is it's halfway between 12 and 1. Okay. That's due north. So anywhere between that 12 and 1, it's going to give you a, a good idea. Now, if if you kind of are aware of where you are and how the sun is shining, right. then you really don't even need the watch, right? Right. You can just stick this, the, the um, if you have an idea, okay, it's between 2 and 3 o'clock, right. stick a... Uh, stick in the ground where's the shadow okay so it's going to be towards the left of that shadow okay yeah. and in the morning it'll be towards towards the right and you have to be mindful of daylight saving stuff right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it has to be sunny but other than that you're good yeah yeah but still I mean right. it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun little skill to have yeah now that explains that for me the, uh, so do you think you could purify water without any supplies Purifying water without any supply. Without any supply, Cecil? 
So if you don't have a, we don't have a water purification system with you, what would you do? Well, let's see, I would need, I would still need, I would create a filter. Okay. All right. And that filter would be as much sand as I can find, not dirt, not organic stuff, but just sand. And then I also, um, assuming that I was able to start fire with my shotgun shells, (laughs) I would have some charcoal laying around. All right. So I would layer sand and charcoal, sand and charcoal in some kind of vessel or something. Hopefully, I, I mean, maybe a bag. Maybe if maybe I had a, um, a stuff sack or something. Yeah. And then I would slowly start dripping water through that and let it filter out. That's probably the best thing I could do to, uh, to filter water in that situation. Right. So if you don't have a fire or you could boil it or something boil it. Well, I guess if I, yeah, if I guess I had a fire, I could have just yeah. boiled the whole thing, couldn't yeah. I? Yeah. So this, is, this would be uh, if you didn't have access to something to boil it in right. or water. Yeah. Yeah. The other oh. thing I've seen is to do the um, dig a hole. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And again, you have to have a can okay. or something. But you know, you dig a hole, pretty a fairly deep hole. You put the can down in the hole. You cover it with a piece of tarp. You also need a tarp. You also need a tarp or a piece of rain jacket or something. Uh, you weight it down on the on the edges of the tarp, but then you put a rock in the middle of it so it forms a inverted teepee uh, or a cone. A cone. Yeah. And so at night, and again, this has to be a certain time of the year too, mm-hmm. the moisture out of the, out of the soil will condense against right. the top of that and then run down to that point and drip down to the can. I have seen that method. Yeah, generally yeah. a big, it's a big hole you're digging. Yeah, you can do a big one. You do a big hole. Yep. And you have to get a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, right. And if you have a big tarp. Uh, yeah. No, I have seen, I have seen that. I've never tried that one myself. I haven't tried that either. I haven't tried that one. I've only been lost. I've only been momentarily lost. Really? Yeah. Like I haven't been lost overnight. Right, right. Yeah. Where I was really worried. I mean, I've been, I've walked off trail before. Yes. I've been, you know, lost for, not lost, but misplaced. Yeah, I've been, I've had that similar experience where I knew, okay, if I didn't know exactly where I was, and every time I went somewhere, I couldn't get to where I was going. But I knew how to, once and for all, get out. I knew where there was a body of water that I yeah. could walk down to and then kind of do a reset. Yeah, the, the worst time I got lost, we were in an area where, worst case scenario, we could have walked out. We could have walked all the way out. Yeah. We might not have gotten where we were wanting to go to, but we could have gotten back to a road yeah. and gotten out. Well, that's what happened to me when I came across these backpackers mm. when I was scouting out a backpacking trip mm. to take some folks on. Mm. And uh, it was the first week in April, going up the Mount Rogers, and it was a bl- and just the snow started coming down. And the snow snow anywhere else. Yeah. And I had in mind to go hiking to the towards the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get there. Yeah. Every time I took a turn, I kind of got looped back to yeah. where I started from, and for the life of me, I could not figure out how to get there. But in, in my wanderings, I kept running running across these group. It was uh, five, mm-hmm. five backpackers. And, um, I mean, we were going through waist-deep snowdrifts. Oh, wow. I mean, it was the snow was coming down. Yeah. The wind was starting to really blow. Yeah. And... But I knew I knew where I was. I knew how to get back to my car. I just couldn't have to figure out how to get to that, that destination where I was going to camp the night. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to hike back. Well... I mean, it was all for a reason because eventually I gave up. I said, okay, 
Mm. I am not figuring this out. And I even had a map and a compass. Yeah. I am not figuring that this out because the trails were just too covered with snow. I couldn't figure out where I was going. So I come across this tent and it was kind of put up makeshiftly and there were, you know, you could see there were people stacked up in their bodies mm. and they're bulging out the sides of the tent. And I just, as I was walking by, I said, hey, and to make a long story short, they got my attention and they kept, I walked back up the hill to see what was going on. Mm. And it was these five college students, but they had stopped eating, they stopped drinking. They were just kind of wandering around. They had flannel t-shirts and, or flannel shirts and jeans. They were not equipped to uh, dress for the snowstorm. I mean, it, it was starting to get really cold. I mean, it was already below freezing, the wind was howling. So I'm sure the wind chill was getting way under the, well below freezing or well below zero. And they said, what do you think we should do? Because they were miles from where they needed to be. I said, I think you need to pack up and you, you need to hike down off this rock with me and I'm going to take you back to your car because I don't think you're going to make it out here. That's because probably this, good advice. So, yeah, we, we, we got all their stuff up. I had to carry some of their stuff. One guy was, you know, he would not stop shivering. Mm. So we finally got him going. We got down the hill and got to my, my truck. We all hired on my truck, drove around to the other side of the mountain, got them in their cars. Then we went to uh, Sparta. We got them a hotel room in Sparta. Oh, that's and they, uh, they treated me out for pizza. They bought me <laughs> pizza for saving their life. <laughs> You did save their life. Uh, you or, know, I don't yeah, think I saved their life as much. Yeah, they, they probably would. They, one, one of the guys probably would have uh, had some really black fingertips yeah. because he had the gloves without the fingertips. Uh, I think they'd have been miserable. You saved him from a hard night. Yeah, it had been a very, very hard yeah, night. Not you saved fun. Him hard night. Well, it doesn't sound right, but you've come to the end of another episode of That Doesn't Sound Right. Ah, it's our first one of the new year. That's right. Season three. So uh, keep those blogs coming. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to blog on this episode, this would be a good one to blog on. There's a lot There's a lot to still be said about survival te- techniques. Oh, yeah. I'm sure some folks have some survival techniques that don't sound right or love to hear some that worked. Right. Yeah, yeah. One that worked would be even better. That'd be really, that'd be really fun to hear about. That Don't Sound Right is a production of TDSR Podcast in conjunction with Campbell City Studios. I am your co-host, Cecil Davis, and I also do your sound engineering. Your web design is by Peter Billman and your other host... And our graphic design is by Emily Billman. Our, uh, our product tester is Giorgio. Our brand ambassador is Brent. And as always, our listener number one is Scott. Scott. So until next Saturday night, uh, keep talking. And stay curious. Mm-hmm.